Welcome to Season 3 of A New Voice of Freedom, the podcaster taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 144 is entitled, The Lord's Prayer. Most Christian children are taught to memorize the Lord's Prayer. It has become a model for prayer. Children, of course, simply repeat it word for word without considering its meaning. Though it is good to memorize scripture, the Lord's Prayer, I think, was given as a model or type to teach us the things that are important to pray for. Sometimes memorized prayers distance us from God rather than draw us closer because we don't consider what we are saying. God is our Father in heaven. He is a personal God, and sincere prayer is very important to him. In Revelation we read, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Revelation 5.8 It may help, for example, if we actually imagine ourselves talking to our Father in heaven and pour out our souls to Him. In this podcast, I should like to look at the Lord's Prayer as a type rather than a teletype and consider each concept individually. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Matthew 6 First, take the concept, Our Father which art in heaven. That phrase, of course, is a perfect wording for the beginning of any prayer. It tells us who we are praying to. Following his resurrection, Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, who had come early to the tomb, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and to your Father, and to my God, and to your God. John twenty seventeen. This is, of course, just prior to his ascension. But his words, I am not yet ascended to my Father, tell us that Christ, Jehovah, is speaking of Elohim. He makes it clear that Elohim is his Father as well as our Father, for he said, I ascend unto my Father and to your Father, and to my God and to your God. That clarifies the words of the Lord's Prayer when Christ said, Our Father which art in heaven. Christ is teaching us whom to pray to. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus Christ. Christ also said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, 12-14 In the Lord's Prayer, we are told how to begin our prayer. We pray directly to our Father in heaven. In the book of John, Jesus tells us how to end our prayer. In Jesus' name, let's continue with the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be thy name. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines hallowed as to consecrate or to revere. To consecrate means to make or declare sacred, to devote solemnly. Synonyms for hallow or hallowed are Sanctify, make holy, 
dedicate, deify, glorify, justify, exalt, reverence, honor, venerate, pay homage to, revere, praise, acclaim, adore. We should approach the throne of God in prayer with reverence as if we were kneeling or standing in His presence. Christ is asking us to prepare ourselves for prayer. Thy kingdom come. Christ is actually standing there in their presence. Therefore, the kingdom of God is already on the earth, and Christ is the head. Why then would he say, Thy kingdom come? Christ knows that he is going to be crucified. He came to earth to reestablish his kingdom. Before Christ came, there had been no prophets in Israel for 400 years since Malachi. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, was there, but his mission was over. Christ is clearly talking about his second coming prior to the millennium. The mission of all Christians today is to prepare the world for the second coming of Christ, where he will reign on earth for a thousand years. Give us this day our daily bread. That request never grows old. Bread, of course, has a double meaning. On the one hand, it is speaking of bread literally. We must eat to stay alive. It is appropriate to approach the throne of God and ask that we be able to feed ourselves and our family. It doesn't just apply to bread, however. We must also have not only food, but clothing, shelter, transportation, and other necessities. Nothing is too trivial for God. God is in the details of our lives, and when seeking employment, we are supposed to implore the help of God. The same with education, training, and all other righteous preparations. Daily bread also has a spiritual meaning. Christ is the bread of life. Just as our physical bodies need bread of grains, Our spiritual body needs the daily nourishment of the words of Christ. We must make Christ the center of our lives. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This, of course, has two parts. The debts he is referring to are our sins. We must ask God in the name of Christ to forgive us of our sins. And the cleansing blood of Christ will free us and sanctify us. Just as we ask for daily bread, we must also ask for daily forgiveness. Repentance is not a one-time event, but an ongoing occurrence. The second part is equally important. How can we ask God to forgive us for our sins if we are not willing to forgive those who sin against us? In the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. He also said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be called the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his sun to shine on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5, 43-48 The Lord's Prayer isn't just a prayer. It is a way of life, a very hard way of life that requires enormous sacrifice. It is not easy to love our enemies. It is not easy to pray for those who despitefully use us or persecute us. However, that is exactly what Christ is doing. Even while hanging on the cross in unimaginable, excruciating pain, he prays, 
Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The Lord continues in the Lord's Prayer. And lead us not into temptation. Now, we know that God does not lead us into temptation. Satan does. James tells us, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. James 1.13 Obviously, Christ is telling us to pray to the Father that we will not be led into temptation, for we have this promise. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 That is a direct answer to that prayer, and we can lay claim to it if we ask the Father for his help. I personally believe that Paul had that in mind when he said the above. It is there if we only ask for it. Apostles read scriptures, and one scripture throughout the Old and New Testaments will play on other scriptures. The structure of Hebrew poetry invites repetition with variation. But deliver us from evil. Who but Christ has the power and the right to give us that advice, because only through his atonement can we be delivered from evil. But we cannot assume it is an entitlement. Christ directs us from his own lips that to protect our agency, we must ask the Father in his name for the atonement to apply to us. Never have words come with more authority. Christ himself tells us that we should ask the Father to deliver us from evil, because it is through Christ that we are delivered from evil. Christ said, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgments unto the Son. John 5.22 The conclusion to the Lord's Prayer, which is typical of ancient Hebrew scriptures, repeats and expands the beginning. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Remember in the beginning Christ said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. He is promising that the kingdom will come. The Lord's Prayer is trying to prepare us to be ready when his kingdom comes. Ultimately God wins, and Satan loses. And when that kingdom comes, his will will be done on earth exactly as it is done in heaven, because only the righteous will be left on the earth. The Savior in the Lord's Prayer is trying to prepare his saints to be among the righteous. His conclusion is like the Hallelujah Chorus, Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Remember the words of John the Revelator. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. 
And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Revelation 21, 1-7 In the New Jerusalem, everything in the Lord's Prayer is realized. It is both a prayer and a prophecy. The purpose of the Lord's Prayer is not to bring down the kingdom of God. It will come whether we are ready or not. It is to prepare us for the second coming of Christ. It is to help us to be a member of the kingdom of God when it does come. Notice the phrase, forever. Eventually, earth will be the eternal kingdom of the Father and the Son. John makes it clear that in the end, God the Father and His Son Jesus Christ will dwell on the celestialized earth forever. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruits every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign for ever and ever. The Apostle Peter validates that prophecy. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. John's chilling words are a reminder of how important it is that we adhere to the conditions of the Lord's Prayer. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And then comes the final benediction. Amen. The phrase Amen is the typical ending to the Christian prayer. It means verily, or truly, or it is true, or let it be so. In personal or public prayers, the Amen is said to signify that you agree with everything that was said in the prayer. Metaphorically, you sign your name to the prayer. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast. In Defense of Christianity is available at RonaldMesser.com.